if you, I'm going to start by, let's do this. Uh, let me help you out. Um, I've had quite the week. Last week was, okay, two weeks ago I get a phone call. Phone calls from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The mayor said I need to do something for our students, our high school, middle school students, and we want you to come. And I said, cool. I haven't done a public school assembly program since March 7th. And to be honest with you, from March 7th to June 29th, I didn't speak at all. The only source of income is doing this and the love offerings. Now, I'm not telling you that so you can give. I care less what y'all do. Because I don't serve men. I work for Jesus. I'm saying that because of what you're about to hear this morning. You need to understand that this sermon, this is my COVID sermon. Hello? I had to live it so that I can preach it so that you can believe it. Okay, thank you. I got like 25 people that got that. Now, I don't know. I think I probably got more of a shout from Michigan Street than I did up here in the central campus because you know that old Red Bud Lake people, they, <laughs> Red Bug, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to go there. But here we go. When the mayor called, he says, I want you to come do something for me. There was a man there who works with the youth of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. His name is Tremaine. And he called me and he says, we need you to come. He says, I have a psychologist who's going to answer the questions that the kids have. But here's what we're going to do. She's going to go, then you end it. I said, no, 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 no. I need to go, and then she goes. Because I'll open up the heart so they write the right questions that need to be answered. He goes, word, I got you on that. So we'll let the mayor go first because he's going to be boring. <laughs> I said, because then I go because it'll be good. <laughs> I love going after the mayor. Hello. <laughs> And then we let her go. I didn't know this lady. I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm telling you this at the beginning because I've been doing public schools for 33 years. 33 years. I ain't never had three days. Like, it was only two days. The last day got, got canceled because the students at the schools we were going to had COVID and they had to shut the schools down. But God's good because after we got done with the second day and they canceled the third day, they found three more days of schools that we're going to do in February. But watch this. Here's what happened. The first morning, I meet a little lady about that tall, little black sister, and she would cool. Her name Barbara, all right? And Barbara is a psychologist. She's like Dr. Phil, woman, black version, all right? She don't play, all right? And she goes, mm, good, okay, okay. So you're going to go, and they're going to write questions, and I'll answer them. I said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. She goes, good, you better be good. <laughs> and when she said that, it hit me that this woman was on point, all right? So I did, I did the mayor went, he did this at first school, Monday morning, 8 a.m. I got up, I did my thing. Kids started crying. I shared my story. Then I said, before we go on, you have a pen and a piece of paper. Write the question you've always wanted the answer to. Just write it down because we have a lady here who's gonna answer. She's smart, she's cool, and she don't play nobody, all right? And so everybody, and then they, she got up and she says, put 30 seconds, you're gonna hear this sound. They hit a phone, alarm sound. When that goes, I go to the next question. The first assembly program had 50 kids in it. They had to put 50 in that. Then they got bigger as we went on. I'm telling you this because this is the, I've never seen this happen. I've always told myself when something bad happens, God's about to drop something even better. And I've been doing schools for 33 years. I've seen a lot of good stuff, but I ain't never seen nothing like this. I got up, did my thing. Kids are crying. They're writing questions. They hand them in. Then she gets up. This Dr. Barbara lady, little bitty old thing. And she said, first 
question is this, why do I need to live? And she said, because you don't understand. There's something tomorrow that you got to see come true in your life. And if you give up today, you'll never see what you're supposed to be tomorrow. Another kid said, why do I have to be black? It's because black's beautiful. What's wrong with you? She goes, you're made in the image of God. Every human is. She goes, I don't care if you're white chocolate, milk chocolate, or dark chocolate. Baby, all chocolate, good. Right then, I'm like, she's going to go there. And then somebody said, but I don't understand. How can I make it through this? She goes, that's it. She goes, y'all need Jesus. Now, I don't know, I know some of you, you've been separated from the public school system for a while. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't. But she'd said it. And the mayor's like, okay. And then she said, that's it. It's it. It'll change your life. He says, there are some things in this life that happens that's bigger than you, stronger than you, faster than you. And until you find something bigger than it, stronger than it, and faster than it, you ain't going to make it. I found that it that's bigger, stronger, faster, and his name's Jesus. I leaned to the mayor and said, hey, I, I know a song. He said, what's that? We've gone too far to turn back now. <laughs> he goes, you think this is funny? I said, oh, yeah, it's good, bro. <laughs> and kids got saved in an assembly program on a public high school campus. Every session we did, kids got saved. Every, and the mayor said, do what you got to do. Our kids need something bigger, stronger, faster. Are y'all hearing me today? I think it's the best season for the sermon I'm about to preach. And I don't know if you know nothing about black preachers, but we title our sermons. We always do. And the title of my sermon this morning, you have to say to your neighbor. Now, if you're a teenager or a young person who's grown up in this church, you've seen me and known me many, many times. And I'm known for saying something that I've always wanted to put it in a sermon. And today I finally have. So I need you to do me a favor and look at somebody left or right. Stare them in the eye and say one word three times. Look at them and say, all right, all right, all right. Oh, come on, come on. Michigan Street, turn to somebody and say it. Come on. Red Bud Lake, come on, do it again. Turn around somebody else, say it again. Say, all right, all right, all right. Everybody look at the sister with the blonde hair on the fifth row and say, all right, all right, all right. Look at her, she's freaking out right now. I'm just saying, <laughs> but it could happen. It could happen. Now, look, the reason why I'm saying that is you got to understand in the season that Pastor was talking about, I didn't realize until he said what he said about Christmas last night that is, this is the perfect setup for the season we're going into. And all it is is one Bible story. I'm here to tell you one Bible story. Now, for those of you who know that I'm a saxophone player, I've been trying to figure out how to fit the saxophone into this story and this sermon that I'm preaching. But this sermon is kind of long, and I wanted to make sure I was on time. So I left the saxophone at home, which also gets me invited back. <laughs> so everybody turn to your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, Okay. I love this. It's about a woman. They call her the Shumanite woman, all right? So I want to start reading at verse number 8, and we're going to get into this. Everybody say, all right, all right, all right. All right, let's go. I got a feeling this is going to be a good day. Verse 8. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there 
who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. Stop right there. I like the Bible because the Bible leaves us clues that unless you're thinking, you don't see. The verse is behind me on the screen. What do you see that you don't see? Let me help you out. It says she urged him to stay for a meal. And the very next sentence says, whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. Do you know what that means? That girl can cook. That's what that means. She got some biscuits and gravy up in that joint right there. She from Puerto Rico. Hello. My wife is from Bayamon. They know how to cook. I can tell all the people who've never seen me before. They're like, oh, we just getting started, all right? She can cook, man. She can cook. Look at verse number nine. She said to her husband, I know this man who often comes our way as a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. What does that tell us? This woman's a giver. Every time Christmas comes, I remember being nine, ten years old at Christmas time. It was the week, the Sunday before Christmas we had a missionary come, and he wanted to go back to Africa. I mean, he had a snake skin from an anaconda that fell out of a tree and tried to kill him, and he prayed, and the snake died. This dude was off the chain. He rolled the skin out. It went halfway across the stage, and he started crying, and he says, I got to get back to Africa. I got to get back to Africa. I need to save souls. Can you help me get back to Africa? So I didn't know this, but my dad leaned over to my mom, whispered to her, and she said, fine. He writes a check, puts it in the offering. In the car going home, he said, kids, on Christmas Day, we're going to eat. We're going to have a great day. It's going to be awesome. Well, I want you to know right now, there ain't going to be no presents. Because I gave all the money to the missionary that spoke this morning. God told me to do that. Now, I, I see, I love, look at the people clapping. That's because you groan. But when you nine and you want a red bicycle, you don't be clapping, all right? I saw my red bicycle on the sleigh flying off with Santa Claus. And I'm like, whoa. And I, I'm like, and my dad looked at me and he pulled me aside and he goes, I know you're sad because you're the youngest. But listen to me, son. In your life, you have a choice. You'd rather be a giver or you're going to be a taker. He says, learn to be a giver. On Christmas morning, I didn't wake up early because I knew there was nothing to great wake up for. <laughs> when I finally got up and walked out in the room, there's a Christmas tree all lit and everything, and a red bike with a tag that had my name on it. I looked at my dad and said, what? He goes, somebody came up to me, shook my hand, and said, hey, I want to buy all your kids Christmas presents. They're in my car. He says, I'll bring them tomorrow. I can meet you anywhere. And one of the presents he bought was a red bike. He said, that's for Reggie. How did he know? Are y'all listening to me today? So this woman just wanted to be a giver. I like that. Look at verse 11. Let's walk through it. 
One day when Elisha came, he went up to the room and laid there. He said to his servant, Giazi, call the Shumanite woman. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to his servant, he said to him, tell her you have gone through all this trouble for us. So what can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Giazi said, well... She has no son, and her husband old. Now I'm going to stop right there, because there's something y'all need to know. I'm a compassionate man, and when I see an injustice, I want to fix it. And how can the Bible have injustice? There it is right there. That's why it's still on the screen. She has no son, and her husband old. This brother is only mentioned in the Bible because he old. When I get to heaven, I'm going to hug Jesus. I'm going to do that. I'm going to hug all the major and minor prophets. I'm going to hug them all. But I'm finding that old dude. And I'm going to give him a hug and say, thank you for being old. Because even old people matter. I just thought y'all should know that right there. Verse 15. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. Verse 16, about this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No! Okay, now I didn't expect her to have that kind of reaction. She said, no, my Lord. She objected, don't mislead your servant, oh man of God. Why would she do that? Back then, you passed your legacy with a son, a boy. Why would she say that? So I started thinking. Maybe she thought she wasn't good enough. Hey, there are people who literally think that. They could be sitting at the Michigan campus or Redbud campus. They could be just thinking that, sitting at home watching this online, thinking, no, I'm not good enough. I deserve what I'm getting. You could be here on my left, on my right, sitting in the balcony. I'm not going to. If these people knew who I really was, they'd kick me out of this church. Well, this ain't a people's church. It's God's church. And he already knows who you are. He knows what you did last night. He knows you like he knew the woman at the well. And he still let you sit in his seat. Man, I'm starting to preach really good right now. How about this one? How about this one? In her past, people had promised her but never followed through. So somehow, because people said, yeah, 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 it's going to happen. never happened. She figured God was the same way. Oh, God ain't no man. I'm going to say it again. God ain't no man. I should preach that one day. God ain't no man. <laughs> that would be good. His promises still stand. Y'all sing it. I didn't sing it. Y'all sing it. If I sing it, it messed up the whole thing. How about this? She can remember all the reasons she can't have a miracle, so instead she decided to be a miracle for others. Wow. Wow. There's some good in that comment right there. How about this? So many people had looked at her and said, no, that's for regular people, not you. That's for them, not you. They can have that, but not you. See, that's me. If you're brand new, I grew up in foster care. My mom slept with a man for $20 to get food for my brother and my two sisters. My mom kept my brother, kept my sisters, and when she gave birth to me in the delivery room, said I was a mistake and she wished I'd never been born. So I grew up in foster care my entire life. Don't feel sorry for me, because guess what? That was yesterday. My past is my history, but my future is my destiny. I gotta get you, I gotta get you there. 
Now, I love this. With all those excuses, everything that she had going through her mind, look at verse 17. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year about the same time gave birth to a son. Word. Come on, man. Elisha just dropped the mic right there. Hi, you're pregnant. It's a boy. Word. Verse 18, the child grew, and one day he went to his father who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. Verse 20, after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on his mother's lap until noon, and then he died. Now, now, do y'all see something a little weird? In English class, I was taught that punctuations mean everything. For example, the period at the end of that statement or sentence. The boy sat on his mother lap until noon and then he died. Should that be a period? When a miracle dies, is it a period? When what you loved and wanted the most disappears, is it a period? When everything that you long for dies in your arms, is it a period? No, it should be an exclamation point on that. It should have been he sit on his mother's lap to noon and then the baby died. But that's when we look at the world through our eyes. But when we look at the world through God's eyes, even death ain't nothing but a period. Okay, thank you, Michigan Street. Thank you, Redbud Lake, for appreciating what I just did. I heard them all the way here. I should have went live there and made these people watch it on video. I'm just saying, all right? But because you guys are with me there, I'm going to give them another chance here at the Central Campus, okay? So I'm going to do that one more time. Hey, when we look through our eyes, it's nothing but a period. It's no big deal. We don't want periods. When something dies, we want exclamation. We want to yell, shout, and scream. But Jesus, it ain't nothing. Do you know what it means when it's a period? Something's coming. When you use a period, it ain't over yet. When you use a period, there's another sentence, there's another verse, there's another action about to happen. COVID ain't nothing but a period. Racism ain't nothing but a period. Because there's something coming. Somebody in this church, clap your hands and look at your neighbor and say, all right, all right, all right. There's something coming. Look at somebody and say, something coming. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. If you ever want to know about Jesus and racism, go to the woman at the well. And when you get to the woman at the well, read what's in parentheses. The first thing says this, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So even back then, there was racism. But what did Jesus do? First, it says in parentheses, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. But in the next chapter, it's the good Samaritan. He made the hero out of what everybody didn't want to be around. Hey, I'm not holding. Whoa, stop. I'm just reading the Bible. <laughs> Y'all just do what you got to do. How about this one? You know what else is in parentheses to women as well? All the, Jesus sent the disciples to get lunch. Somebody's like, what's the big deal? Where else does he send all the disciples to get lunch? Why is that significant? Well, I'll tell you. See, Jesus, when he went to that well and he sat there and said to the disciples, you guys go to town and get lunch. He got rid of any distraction that would hinder what he needed to do for that woman. You see, his disciples weren't ready yet. 
to handle a Samaritan woman. So whatever would distract him and his father being Lord of her life had to go. Now, some of you, you would like love the day that Jesus says, go get some cheeseburgers. <laughs> and you'd go to town, Jesus sent me for the cheeseburgers. I'm getting the cheeseburgers. But I'm going to be honest with y'all. I wasn't born and raised in hell so that I can go get a cheeseburger. I was born to do what Jesus called us to do, to seek and to save the lost. No matter what color, no matter what race, no matter what they did, no matter where they've been, no matter where they're from. I don't care who you are. I don't know who's watching this. I don't know who's sitting at, at, at Red Bug Lake. I don't know who's sitting at Michigan. I don't know who's sitting here. But no matter who you are, where you're from, what you did last night or even this morning, God brought you here so that you can know that he's going to make a way. And whatever the hell you've been through, it ain't nothing but a because he's about to write the rest of your story and it starts right here this morning. Somebody clap your hands. <laughs> then he died. So let's see what comes next. Are y'all with me this morning? Yeah. Y'all good? Yeah. Dude, I, I tell you, I wish I preached like this last night. Last night was good, but <laughs> I needed last night to be here today. Verse, I'm going to read this again. Verse 21, I love this. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then shut the door and went out. She watched him die. She watched her miracle die, her promise die, her reason for life die, her reason to fight die, her gift from God die. She watched it and now it's gone. What do you do when it's gone? Where do you go when it's gone? Do you just lay down and die? I'm telling you, we need to do what the Shumanite woman did. She carried her miracle up the stairs. With every step, she remembered his voice. She remembered his language. She remembered his laugh. She remembered when he said, I love you. Every step of the way to the prophet's room, some of you are carrying something that's really tough, that you wish had never died. You'd wish it had never gotten broken, but now that it is, I I'm here to tell you this morning, you got to pick it up and you got to take it to God's room. You got to carry it up the steps. With every step, it was heavier and heavier and heavier. Some of you are saying, just don't listen to him. Just get up and leave. You shouldn't have never came to church today. You were meant to come to church today. Because I ain't nothing but the biggest, blackest greeting card for heaven you've ever seen in your entire life. You got to do this. Don't quit going up to his room. Not only did she lay him on his bed, she shut the door. And what she did next changed everything. Verse 22. Are y'all okay? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, shut that door. Look at your other neighbor and say, shut the door. Verse 22. She called her husband and said, please send me one servant and a donkey so that I can go see the man God quickly and return. Verse 23, why are you going to see him? He asked. It's not a new moon. It's not the Sabbath. And she said, it's all right. She saddled the donkey and said to the servant, lead on. Don't slow down unless I tell you. 
Verse 25, so she set out and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he, the man of God, saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, look, it's the Shumanite woman. Go and meet her. Y'all with me? Hit your neighbor right now and say, here we go. Hit your other neighbor and say, here we go. Come on, Michigan Street. Hit somebody. Hit somebody. Red Bud Lake, hit somebody. Everybody online, hit your dog. Hit your cat. Do what you got to do, all right? All right? All right? Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to read it to you. It said, said, the man of God said to Gehazi, run to meet her and ask her. Here we go. You all right? Is your husband all right? Is your son all right? And she said, I got to put it in my words. All right, all right, all right. Oh, come on, everybody say all right, all right, all right. But she watched him die. She watched him change colors. She watched the life sucked out of him. You've watched your dream die. You've watched it hope change color. You watched life get sucked out of your dreams, your hopes, your future. But you got to do what she did. She laid it in God's hands and walked away. Baby, all I need is one. All I need is one person to get a hold of this. Hey, it's scary to preach something like this. You have no idea. When I was six years old and told that I was in foster care, my mom gave me away. From six to 13, highly suicidal. At 13, decided to die. At three in the morning, I started to cry and my bedroom door opened and my foster care dad walked in, told me that he loved me. I said, how did you hear me cry? He says, I've been sleeping by your door for the past three nights. Jesus is sleeping by your door since COVID hit. He's sleeping by your door since you lost your job. He said, by your door since you lost your loved one he's sitting by your door it is time for us to take that hurt that pain he knows what it feels like God knows he sent his only son to die for you and me he knows he had his own COVID to go through so what did she do verse 27 She reached out to the man of God at the mountain. She took hold of his feet. Giazi went to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but I don't know. The Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Some of you are waiting for a man of God to call you out. Today, God is here. And he's the only brother you need. He's the only one you need. You don't need me. You need him. Verse 28. Did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Hey, I got to do something I hadn't done in any other service. I don't know who this is for. Some of you come to church just because this is your thing. But you literally think because of something in your past that you can't be used by God anymore. Who do you think you are? Because here's the deal. If you've done something that can exclude you from the hand of God, the devil would have used it to keep Jesus in that grave. But I don't know if you will watch the news. The tomb's empty. And if nothing can keep him in that grave, there's nothing that can keep you from him. Whatever it is you think kept you from God, you got to put it in God's room and shut the door. I'm sorry, that was real black. Shut the door. 
Sounded better ghetto, did it? <laughs> Verse 29, Elisha said to Giazi, tuck in your cloak and your belt and take my staff and run. If anyone, anyone, do not speak to anyone. If they greet you, don't greet them back. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and he followed her. Hey, listen, you need God. He's the only one. Don't trust anybody but him. Amen. You got God and he's got you. Verse 31, Giazi went ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound, no response. So Giazi got up and went back and he met Elisha and told him the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy laying on his couch dead. Hmm. He went in and shut the door on the two of them and prayed. Now, if you're at uh, Red Bug Lake or Michigan Street, I need to help you understand this. Just like everybody in this room, I need you to understand this. So in order for you to understand this, I'm going to have to call somebody out. Um, there's a kid in a white T-shirt. It says something, port, port. Yeah, 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 him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'll work. Come on, man. Come on up here. Everybody clap for this young man right here. Give him a hand. That's good. Just come on up these stairs. That's good. He has no idea. He has no idea. What's even better is I was pointing at the boy beside him, but that's cool, all right? Because you are on point with your clothes. Go ahead, man. Look at you. Okay, now look, in order for this to work, I need you to do me a favor. First, just lay down on the floor right there. Cool, cool. Y'all clap for that brother. Just lay down right there. Good, good. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to illustrate what the prophet did. All right, cool. Look at verse number 34. It says, <clears throat> then he got on the bed, laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. <laughs> and your friend is so happy it wasn't him. <laughs> I can see he like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, are you ready? Okay, I got it. You about to die, all right? <laughs> We're about to see a miracle in church right now, all right? Okay, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man, just get on up. I got you, man. <laughs> Give my hand, y'all. Give my hand. Thank you, bro. Thank you. <laughs> you see the look on his face? <laughs> Watch this. As he stretched himself out upon the boy... The boy's body grew warm. Hmm. Then Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and he prayed again. Hey, listen to me. God did not save you to have a warm life. He didn't save you to have warm dreams. He didn't save you to have a warm future. He saved you to be alive, wide awake. So when this boy grew warm, he could have went, ma'am, come on back up, Shumanite woman. Your son's warm. God bless you. No, no, no. So when the boy's body grew warm, he's like, okay, we halfway there, but I ain't stopping until I get what I got. Some of you, it's time for you not to stop till you get what you want. I'm not no faith promise preacher here today. 
I'm just telling you right now. Verse 35, then he turned away and walked back and forth in the room. And then he got on the bed, stretched out upon the boy once more. The boy sneezed seven times, opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shumanite woman. And she came, and when she came, said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, bowed on the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Today, I need you to take his promise and go out. Take his hope for you and go out. Take his love for you and go out. Take what he has for you and go out. you got to know this sermon today is not just setting up the Christmas season. It's setting up the greatest moment in the history of man. Everything we've gone through is not for nothing. Are you listening to me? Did you notice I didn't start by going, oh, what a horrible year. Oh, no, we've been set up. We've been set up. And you know what? I'm going to be a part of it. I've come too far to give up now. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, all right, all right, all right. During COVID, uh, I told pastor the first week of COVID, uh, I learned how to reupholster furniture. I cleaned all my closets and my garage. And I was seven days into COVID. <laughs> so I decided every day I would go to church. So I picked churches that I've done stuff for. And on Monday, I went to one pastor. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, my home church was online. I watched them. Sunday afternoon, I would watch what you guys did that morning. I just did that. I've been honored to be at Megafest with Bishop T.D. Jakes. One day, I was listening to him. and He said something that I'll never forget. He started by saying, if I was Satan... And I wanted to bankrupt you. I wouldn't just take your money. And I backed it up to make sure he said what he said. And that's what he said. But then he broke it down. Let me break it down for you. He said, if I was Satan, I wouldn't just take your money to bankrupt you. But if I take your faith, if I take your faith, I leave you poverty stricken. If I take your faith, I leave you with nothing to buy with. If I take your faith, I leave you without a leg to stand on. If I take your faith, you have no peace. You have no joy. You have no victory. You have no power. You have no confidence. You have no boldness. You have no, no, no hope in when it hurts the worst. If I take your faith, you have no comfort when you're grieving. If I take your faith, you're powerless, impotent, weak, and incapable. If I take your faith, you ain't nothing. God did not mean for you to be nothing. Pastor's going to help me. My music pastor's coming to help me. He's going to help me out. Everybody look at me. Listen to me very carefully. You have to understand this. Hear me out. I stopped this sermon early because I feel the presence of God here. I said it at the 9 o'clock. We've had people answer altar call. Hey, do you love him today? I never dreamed I'd need him the way I do. But do you know, not preaching from March 7th to June 29th, I don't know how, but I never missed a bill. Paid them all. 
It was in November of last year. My wife goes, we bought a house. And my wife is very, she's amazing with money. Because she says, when God gives you money because of what you do, then people are trusting you to use that money wisely. And so we use that to go to schools, to speak in schools. But I saved money to redo. We run, redid every house, and we did it ourselves. I'm not a painter. I watch YouTube and taught myself how to paint, how to reupholster chairs. I'm not paying for stuff. I'm going to teach myself. only thing I can't do is a car. Last time, I almost set myself on fire. That's another story. <laughs> We just call the mechanic, take it back, all right? Just, that's what I don't do. But we got a bathroom. I, didn't, I can't do bathrooms. So I saved money. I said, baby, this money, we're going to redo your bathroom. We're going to redo your bathroom. And then COVID hit, and it was exactly what we needed to pay every bill and to have food on the table from March all the way to the end of June. And that's when people started calling me to speak again. See, what I want to do is one thing, but God knows who he is. And he's going to do it for you. He doesn't love me more than you. You know, I pray that God loves you more than me because I'm already in. And it's about salvation. Reggie, you don't even know my name. I don't need to know your name to know your pain. I have my own. So today, here's the deal. You already sing it. Some of you are trying to figure out the words of the song that you sing and you even forgot you sung it. So let me refresh your memory. This is what you sing. This is what you sing. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Hey, don't you get it right now? Some of you, when you got out of your car to come to church, you were walking toward this building, singing to yourself, walking around these walls. I thought it'd be done by now. I thought I'd have the answer by now. I thought I'd have hope by now. I thought I'd be through this by now. I thought I'd be past this by now. But what is that last phrase that he's saying? He'll never fail. He'll never fail. And all I'm doing today is giving you an opportunity to walk up the steps with that disappointment. Walk up the steps with that failure. Walk up the steps with the things that have died. Walk up those steps. Walk up those steps and lay it in Jesus' arms and shut the door. So as he sings this, the first verse in the chorus, I don't know what the social distancing thing is in your church or not, but sometimes you got to move. You got to move. And I'm not even going to say everybody stand. No. But if you're done, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to do what the Shumanite woman did. Even though I watched it die. Even though I watched it turn purple. Even though I watched it disappear. Even though it's hard walking up these steps. I'm going to lay it in God's hands. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to give it to Him. I'm going to let go. If that's you, you got to get here as fast as you can as he sings it. Come on, sing it loud. Have never failed me yet. 
when we stand on the promise. Come on, church, raise your hands. Sing it with passion. Yeah. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never felt me yet. Stretch your hands toward these who came forward. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be a will within the will. Help us turn this thing, God. Help us move. Help us move. Help us breathe. God, you're giving us today what we need to be closer to you this coming week. So God, I pray as we sing this next part that the windows of heaven would open up. Your Holy Spirit would pour down on these people and you would change them. Change them. Change them. Because God, we've read about it. And God, if you did it for the Shumanite woman then, you can do it for us today. So as we proclaim this, God, we proclaim it standing on your love, your hope, your word, your faith, your Christmas story, Jesus. I've seen you move. I've seen you move. Yeah. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. to the very back look at me do you know him do you know my Jesus do you know him this morning do you know him maybe you walked in and you're like I don't understand I don't understand why would he love me I don't know but he did and he does Romans chapter 10 verse 9 if you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved I don't know who you are today I don't know what campus you're at today you may be at Red Bug you may be at Michigan you may be watching online but today's your day for salvation today's your day to give in let go and let God lay your sin in his room and shut the door behind you somebody say all right all right all right I'm going to ask, they call, the people who are Christians are called saints. So I'm going to ask every saint to help every sinner. Because every saint has a past and every sinner needs a future. And that's what this prayer is about. So come on, you know if you need this, everybody say, Jesus, today's my day. I'm asking you, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I don't know why you would love me. But I'm thanking you for loving me today. I'm asking you to show me how to live this life for you. And through this prayer, in Jesus' name, I'm going to be all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pastor is standing on the steps right here. You, sometimes you got to proclaim the action that you made in this prayer. So if today you got right with God, gave your life to Jesus, and all the campuses, your campus pastor is standing on the platform or on the stage, he's looking right now. 
I'm going to count from one to five. You got five seconds. I just want you to look toward Pastor. If you got right with God today and just wave and keep waving till he waves back at you. Nobody else is looking but you. Ready? Go. One. Wave at him. Two. Three. Four. Oh, wow. Awesome. Five. Somebody clap your hands, all you people. Hey, look at me. Everyone who did that, no matter where you're at, you got to make it real. Make it real. You do something, make it real. That's why you walk forward. Making it real. Make it real. Grab your cell phone, and I want you to text the word SAVED to the number that's on the screen. Whatever screen you can see, it's right there. So just memorize that number. Do it today because we want to help you in your walk with Jesus. Do it today. Just text SAVE to that number. See, 407 275-8790. Do it today. Do it right now. If you're by in your seat, just do it right now. I'm going to have Pastor come. Hey, thank you. I love you, church. We're going to make it, aren't we? Hey, one last time, look at somebody and say, all right, all right, all right. Come on, somebody. Let's give God a big thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Reggie and for the word that he brought through him today. Praise the Lord. Listen, we're going to go in just a second two things right before we go. If Pastor Reggie blessed you today and you hadn't had an opportunity to give yet to his ministry, why don't you consider doing that today? Uh, he's got many more schools to go into, many more lives to touch, and we want to support that. Do you agree, church? Amen? Amen. So if you didn't have a chance yet and you want to do that, please consider that. And also, I'd like to just pray a blessing over you and your family. So would you just bow your heads one more time? Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we pray, Lord God, that you would have your way in the lives of these, your people, as we go into this week to come. God, let this word stir up in our hearts. Lord God, let the hope that you've planted in us today blossom into a great, great, great fruit, Lord God, of hope and trust and faith in you in our lives. And I pray, God, that the light that you've shown in our lives today, that will carry it into our homes, that will carry it into our communities, that will carry it into our workplaces, God, and that will infect others with the hope of Jesus Christ that comes from you and you alone. God, let us have awesome weeks to come and let us join back together to lift and magnify you with our testimonies of your goodness. We honor you and bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Hope to see you again very soon. If you're joining us online and you want somebody to pray for your prayer request, why don't you call the number that's on your screen? You can leave your prayer request there and someone will be sure to pray for you. We hope to see you again as well. Take care.